and decide for yourselves what part of my accent comes from where. <laughs> but I have lived in different places. I am American by birth. My parents were missionaries, so I've lived a few different places. So my accent kind of comes and goes. If I start speaking German all of a sudden, that was my first language for a while. It's not a demonic manifestation. <laughs> Don't worry. Um, but I'm really excited to be here at Costa Four. This is my first cross conference that I've ever been to because there's this body of water between us, and I have two children, and um, I don't, I try to be with them as much as I can. But um, I am now the director of worship for the Vineyard, and I, it's a real honor to get to do that. I've been pastoring our creative community in Belfast for a number of years now, and my husband and I are on John and Debbie's leadership team. So we are um, in a season of accelerated learning, because I've only been doing this for, um, well, it, we launched Vineyard Worship almost a year ago at the last NLC, and before that I was gearing up for that for about a year. I've just started to oversee Jimmy and the recording and production side of things since September, so my head is actually exploding at times, trying to um, learn a lot of things that I have never even heard of before. Um, but I'm really enjoying the journey, and um, I have a friend here with me, Helen, and I'm going to introduce her in a minute, and she's going to share a couple of things too. But um, I would love to do a couple of plugs for things that we're doing in Vineyard Worship, if that's okay. And then you can go to the website and find some more information, but it would be a shame not to take this opportunity to try and connect you guys in. How many of you have been to the worship retreat? Less than half the room. Okay, we have some work to do. Um, how many of you have been to the Song Summit? Oh, very few. Okay, the Song Summit is going to go uh, live hopefully the 1st of December. So stay tuned for that. It's right before the worship retreat. And uh, it's for songwriters. So if you are a songwriter, we would love to see you there. Um, is anybody else really warm? It's like... Oh, sorry, we'll not make it too cold for you. Um, so, and then I would love to just let you know that one of the things that I'm really passionate about is training worship leaders. And so we run these things called worship intensives. And very soon we'll be letting you know of the dates and the locations of the next few intensives in 2019. So we took a little pause because I've changed over our staff team a little bit. I took a sabbatical, which was wonderful. When you get to be old like me, you should definitely pick one. Um, now that you're young and you have lots of energy, maybe you don't need one. But um, when I loved being on sabbatical. It was amazing. And then uh, as part of the intensives, one of the really amazing things that we do is if you come to a worship intensive, which is about three days of intense training and teaching, uh, we also offer some follow-up care, um, and that is what we call our worship coaching. Um, it's a one-to-one -one for three months, and it's really amazing. So off the back of that, because that's been really fruitful, Helen, who now oversees that, is doing some more stuff with coaching. Do you want to come and say a little bit about this? This is Helen Hicks from Leeds. Leeds, uh, I oversee the worship there at Leeds Vineyard, but um, also I oversee 
the coaching, as the Harmony said, as part of the worship intensive. So, uh, who's familiar with the coaching thing? Have you heard all about the coaching that's going on in Vineyard? It seems to be, okay, not loads of me. So, coaching is really, really different to mentoring or counselling. It is really about just listening, asking good questions, and helping you to become who God has created you to be and lead in the way that you were intended to lead in. So as part of the worship intensives we offer, like Harmony said, we offer three uh, coaching sessions via Zoom and uh, you just get to process all the amazing stuff that God's been showing you. Because often at, at these amazing retreats, you kind of learn all this stuff and then life gets in the way, doesn't it? And you don't always fully embrace everything that God's been showing you. So coaching is a way of processing and really grasping hold of what God has been showing you. And and the challenges that come with that, the challenges with leading worship and, and, and what God does in us and what he brings up in us as we lead, which he always loves doing. So, yeah, coaching is just part of that, and it's a real privilege to hear people's journeys um, as part of that. So, is that everything? That's great. Well, awesome. Yeah. We'll hear more from Helen in a minute. So, one last plug, and that is something that um, is just a short video from me and my friends at Vineyard Worship to encourage you every month. Very cleverly called monthly encouragement videos. Great at naming things. But if you don't currently receive those, all you need to do is go to the website and sign up, um, or drop us an email if, if you can't figure out how to do that. But um, what I need to tell you is the December video that is coming your way is all of my bloopers from the previous year, <laughs> and there's a lot of them. So if you want to dive in and get in on that, that's it might be. It might be my last video that I ever shoot. I don't know. We'll see what my bosses make of them. But anyway, um, so today's seminar, I was praying about what to talk about in a room full of amazing uh, 20-somethings and um, trying to remember what it was like to be your age. And um, I felt the Lord just give me this phrase, worship, safe or risky. And so I've kind of been chewing on that for a while. I've been talking to him about it, talking to some of my friends about it. I feel like Simon set us up really well for this, actually, with some of the things that he was talking about this morning. Um, but what I don't want to do is um, talk at you for <coughs> spoon feed. So if you are really not up for interacting at all, either in a small group or in this group by me speaking up, then I just feel the need to warn you. Um, uh, I, I really love for people to, you know, join in and not just to listen to myself talk. So I'm going to pray, and then the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to break up into groups, and we're going to just take five minutes and talk about what do you think that means, worship, safe or risky? Everybody up for that? Yeah? yeah. So when we close our eyes, if you need to run out of the room, no one <laughs> You're one of those people that hates group work. Um, so... Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this room today. I pray that you would guide this conversation, that you would lead us. 
bring revelation and insight and wisdom. I pray that you would activate us for ministry, that you would deal with our insecurities of speaking out and speaking up. I pray that we wouldn't be afraid of big ideas and big questions. And I thank you for each person in this room, and I pray that right now you would um, activate our voices and our minds and our hearts, even in our tiredness, even as we're a bit overloaded and overwhelmed um, at this conference. So thank you, Jesus. Amen. So how about groups of like four to six people? And the question is, yeah, or by row, that's great, yeah. You can feel free to move the chairs a little bit if you need to. Um, so the question is, worship, safe or risky? Great. So I know that probably you're only just getting warmed up um, and you're just starting to get talking. Um, but I would love for some of you that are brave just to call out a few things that came up as you were talking. Yeah? Um, so I kind of felt like it was like a, a spectrum. Like um, when we start off, we're kind of at the beginning of the spectrum and the more we get experience and the more we step into faith the, the, the kind of closer we get to like risk and obviously we always have to listen to where mm. God wants to take mm -hmm. us so if God's telling us to go here then we're going here like it, yeah good yeah great wonderful yeah uh, we were chatting a lot about how um, we, we felt it was kind of actually the two things were joined together but actually we it, it's up to us to create an environment that's safe so that people can take risks, and so we can take risks, and we can just choose a culture. And you are going to leave this <laughs> Awesome. Anything else? What were some of the other, maybe there was even some questions that came up. We were, we sorry. We were kind of discussing how we thought maybe it was it was kind of always risky to, to like to be the person who lives a life of worship, yeah. not just in those times that to go to go against the flow. It's quite risky to do. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I thought, what music does God like? Because we, <laughs> we just have one Christian genre. Uh, he invented every genre. Oh, why, why do we stick to it? Wow. <laughs> awesome. Wow. Oh, position like how to exposing yourself to people mm -hmm. and like how to decide how much you give and like how mm -hmm. open you are when you're leading the profession. Good. Put the hand over here as well. Yeah we were saying about how God we put ourselves in the box and God puts box around us. Mm -hmm. So taking a risk all the time and letting God move. Letting God move, yeah, yeah. yeah. Brilliant. One more. All Hi. right. We were saying about um, when we come to worship, not putting on a face, so we've had a bad week. Mm. Not pretending everything's great, mm. but like giving it over to God yeah. and worshiping as if everything's great. Mm. So. Awesome. This is really good. Was it helpful to discuss that a little bit? Are you a little bit more awake? <laughs> good, good. Um, so, I would love to start by telling you a little bit of my story. So when I first encountered Vineyard Worship, I was in university, so this is me thinking back to, you know, what was life like when I was in my early 20s, and um, actually, 
stepping into that environment of a small group worship set on my university campus changed my life forever. And it was extremely safe because it was one of my friends that had invited me and it was mainly people that I knew. It was on my university campus, but it was actually dangerous because nothing in my life was the same after that. Everything changed. Now, not right away, not in an instant, but it was like the, the beginning of a whole different journey. And so I was planning to try to study law. I don't know how good I would have been at it, but I was going to try and be a lawyer and save the world that way. Um, partly because I didn't think that women had a place in the church to lead, but that's a different topic for another day. Um, but then I met the Holy Spirit, and um, now I'm pastoring a church in Belfast and doing what I do. And I, I, I think there's a lot of things um, that, that came together, but one of the key things was that small group, a guy on a guitar, you know, nothing, nothing fancy, but just simple worship songs to Jesus. And I just started to bawl. I thought I was losing my mind. You know, I didn't know what was happening. I thought I was having a mental breakdown. So I have a lot of sympathy for people that come in and they have those kinds of, oh, you know, those <laughs> moments for the first time. And they're like, what is happening to me? Um, so my experience is that worship is both safe and risky. So I suppose that feels like a lot of us have landed in that place. Um, how many of you have read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? <laughs> if you haven't read it, you need to. Um, it's just a really wonderful read. So I'm just going to read you a very familiar portion of it. You'll probably recognize it. Here's how it goes. Aslan is the lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. And I just love how the story and the characters draw us into that tension. There's such a tension in that of who Aslan is. And um, that tension is something that we as worship leaders do need to wrestle with. And we need to be stretched by it. Of course, we want people to come to our worship gatherings and to feel safe, because accessibility is one of our values in the vineyard. Actually, we talk a lot about building bridges for people musically, lyrically, um, in every possible way that we can, so that they can encounter God, so that they can meet with Him, right? Um, but we are in a movement of worship leaders who have taken crazy risks. And here's the thing, I started to think about this. Hadn't, until I really stopped and thought about it, I hadn't really appreciated what our forerunners in worship, you know, people like David Ruiz, is that a name that you guys would know? Or Brian Dirksen, some of those worship leaders that were Andy Park, that were leading in the early days of the vineyard. Um, the things that they did that we now completely take as normal. They're not risky anymore. They're completely safe and familiar to us. But actually, I made a little list. I'll share some of them. A couple of the things that they did that was radical and new. They introduced guitars in worship. <laughs> a couple of years ago, I mean, it's gone so far that a couple of years I lead from the keyboard. A 
couple of years ago, there was this guy that turned up, and he, he was like, I've never seen anyone lead worship from a keyboard, a piano. He's like, you don't play guitar? <laughs> so that's how far we've swung. Um, but in the day, back in the day, that was radical. They wrote new songs. That was radical. They sang songs to Jesus and not just about him. That was unheard of. Nobody else was doing that. They strung several songs together into a worship set without standing up and sitting down and other things happening in the middle. That was completely outrageous. Um, these things aren't risky to us anymore, are they? They're just like completely commonplace. Well, David Reese was telling me recently that he was, and if you've never encountered him before, he is like vineyard worship in a bottle. He is like the living legacy of vineyard worship. Um, and those of us that hang around him a little bit, we call him father elder of our worship movement. Like globally, he is the man. He's, he's such an amazing guy, and he's been around for decades now, um, writing songs, leading worship. Now he's the national director in Canada. But he was telling me recently that when he was in, um, in a vineyard church where Mike Bickle was, used to be a vineyard church, it's not anymore, but he was the pastor, and David really wanted to introduce the electric guitar into worship, but no one else had ever done it. And it was like this really crazy thing and this journey of incredible trust, of them trusting him to try this radical new idea of electric guitars. Like, that's unthinkable now, isn't it? Now we're like, oh, I don't have an electric guitarist. Can we still worship? <laughs> and when, when we think about it, it's not really that long ago. Like, that's a couple of decades ago. And just think how far we've come. He did take it too far, though, once. Because <laughs> with the conch. Have you ever heard him play the conch? <laughs> but he is nuts, and he, he does have a conch here. Oh, did he? Oh, right. What even is that? It's a shell. shell. It's a shell. He played a shell. So yes, so that actually that's probably another conversation about taking risks too far. But I think it's important for us to recognize, even though and probably they did all kinds of other crazy stuff that went too far, and we haven't repeated those, but that was part of their learning, right? Part of the exploring and the trying new things. And uh, I'm really grateful for them that they pushed the, the boat out a little bit and actually tried some new things. They created a path for the rest of us to travel down. And it does beg the question for me of what are we... What are we risking in this season? And how are we taking their legacy of risk and building on that? And as I've been reflecting about on this, it strikes me that now what you've said is not that that doesn't forget about that, but many, the, the things that we have stayed with, that we've kept from the risk taking, are things that have opened up more space for intimacy with Jesus and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And from my point of view, that's what I want to hand on to the next generation. That the risks that I take allow for more of Jesus, more of his presence in our worship. And um, maybe this is, maybe it's because I'm getting old, but, um, and some of you might want to throw some things at me. I'm not against any of these things, but I do sometimes worry, like, are we, are our children going to remember us for in-ear monitors, mm -hmm. click track, smoke machines, tracks? 
And they're not bad things. I don't, I, that, that doesn't, that's not compelling to me in this conversation about uh, leaving a legacy and um, for, our, for the next generation. So now I should probably stop talking about that and move on. Um, but I do, I wonder where does that road lead, lead um, in the future? So it's important for us as worship leaders to remember that the presence of God is a dangerous place. And I loved what Simon was saying earlier today in this talk. I, I felt like when he was talking, I was like, I don't even need to do my seminar anymore, really, because that's really the heart of, um, part of this conversation that we're having today. So, but I was thinking about this, like, I'm saying the word dangerous, and my husband was like, should you really use the word dangerous? I'm like, yeah, I think I want to use the word dangerous, but it's the safest kind of danger, right? It's the safest danger that we'll ever encounter. Like, that worship set, when I was in university, completely wrecked my life, but it was the safest kind of life wrecking that I was ever going to encounter. Um, and when we encounter the Lord, things happen. And it even sometimes transcends words. And sometimes it's hard to communicate, isn't it? What, what has God actually done? It's hard to express, but we are changed. And that is a really uncomfortable process, isn't it? We can't be around him for any real length of time without being transformed. And you're here today because he's doing a work in you and you're being transformed. Um, or else you wouldn't pay money and give up your weekend and do everything that you do leading worship. The reality is that God is holy and he is a consuming fire. And as the beaver in Narnia says, he is good. The God, the one that we worship, is infinitely more good than we can ever imagine. And I am so safe in his goodness. But the more that I'm with this good God, the more that I'm challenged at my lack of trust in his goodness and my own lack of goodness at times. He loves me too much not to challenge me in that and to invite me into more. And that is uncomfortable, isn't it? It's safe, but it's really risky too. Worship isn't just some kind of escapism, is it? and anesthesia to our problems and our brokenness, although sometimes I have to confess I have used worship in that way myself. Like I go into worship to feel better <laughs> and I'm looking for some kind of emotional rush in the moment and when it doesn't happen, oh, you know, the band wasn't on today or the, good grief, you know. Um, the band is not responsible for my own worship with Jesus. And um, he is far, God doesn't just want me to feel better. He is far more interested in his glory and me looking like him. And my healing, wholeness, and transformation. He, he sometimes takes that anesthesia off. And thank goodness he does, because I probably wouldn't take it off myself. Um, so true worship is both safe and risky at the same time. I was talking to Simon in, uh, just this before he was leaving today, and he, I said to him, thank you for setting me up so well for my seminar. And he said, what are you talking about? And I told him, and his face kind of lit up, and he said, have you heard the Annie Dillard quote? I don't know if you've heard of her. She's an amazing writer, but he, he, he looked it up, and I'll, I'll find the full quote for the next time I do this seminar, but it's something like this. Um, when it comes to worship, we shouldn't be wearing straw hats, but 
crash helmets, <laughs> which I think is amazing. It's so good. So, everybody still with me? Yeah? So let's talk a little bit about us as worship leaders. How many in this room are either musicians or worship leaders somehow involved in their creative communities in their church? Most of you? Yeah? Some of you are not too sure. <laughs> okay. And so I'm talking to you whether you play the bass, you're on the sound team, or you lead with your voice and your instrument, um, and whether you lead in a kid's room, or you lead in the grown-ups, or you lead anywhere in your community, in a small group. And small group worship leaders, you are amazing. Like that small group worship leader, I don't... I don't think he'll ever know that if it wasn't for that one worship set, that maybe, maybe these things happening in Belfast wouldn't be. Yeah, that's crazy. Like there he is in Chicago playing away. Fast forward 15 years, and there's a thriving worship culture in a church in Belfast. He had no idea. You know, I just think it's amazing what can happen in those small group environments. So let's talk a bit as worship leaders. It's an amazing privilege, isn't it? Like especially in the context of what Simon was saying fear of the Lord, and we get to invite people in, we get to stand in that place, like, it's quite sobering, isn't it? I don't know if any of you were sensing that in the moment, like, oh my goodness, I'm having a reality check about what it means to be a worship leader. So how do I, as a worship leader, facilitate the safe and the risky all at the same time? How do I become the sort of person who authentically can do this? For the long haul. Anybody can do something great once, you know? I'm interested, as director of worship, I'm interested in seeing you guys and then your kids and grandchildren, do you know what I mean? I want to see a legacy of worship in your churches. So how do we become those kind of people? How do I become safe? How do I learn also to take risks and to take the right kind of risk? <laughs> um, one of my favorite writers in the world is Dallas Willard. He's also a philosopher, which means some of his work is a little bit, um, the cookies are on a high shelf. <laughs> but if you can, like, and it's, I mean, I, I, I have to confess that I don't understand everything that he writes about, but um, I really love reading um, his work. So if you've never read anything of him or never ever listened to any of his, you can find interviews with him online and things, definitely check him out. Um, especially if you want to understand maybe some of the things behind in your worship in this season. Like what is shaping my thinking as a leader, which is what I love to do. You know, okay, what are, what are John and Debbie reading? What are, they, what are they interested in? When they really leaned into the emotionally healthy stuff, it was like, okay, I want to I get, get in on this. Um, so Dallas Willard is an amazing guy. And um, one of his questions is, who am I becoming? Such a good question. Who am I becoming? Am I becoming a person whose identity is secure in Jesus, which is a safe person, I think? That's, that's what makes us safe as worship leaders. <clears throat> and am I willing then to take risks from that place of a strong foundation? Or am I building my identity off of the risks and the cool stuff that I do as a worship leader? Um, which I know I've been tempted to do at times or have actually done. 
what ministries I start, or things that I lead, or a great prophetic moment in a worship set, and people are like, oh, that was amazing. You know, is my identity coming from that place, or is my identity actually found in knowing who I am in Jesus? I think that that's what makes me a safe person to be around, and a safe person to lead worship. Not that I'm perfect, but I'm saying, who am I becoming? Am I becoming like Jesus? So, if you ever come to an intensive, one of the things that we do is we talk about identity in this context. So this is this is me right here, okay, these three circles. And um, I am going to just give us a little tool to think like this. This works great in a lot of different contexts. This is not just worship related. So if I'm looking at, okay, who am I? <coughs> I know you maybe can't see that very well in the back, but I will speak it out and hopefully you'll figure it out. So I have the things that I possess, my attachments, I have a really awesome Nord piano and I really like it. I also have a set of harmonicas that I really like, but they're probably a bit like David Royce's thing. They really irritate some people, um, like my husband, but I really like them. And they come out at Christmas time in a carol, you know, um, or something like that. But um, I do what I do, what I achieve, how I perform, and then I, I am, which is the core of my identity. And sometimes we just need a little handle to figure out what we're actually talking about when we're talking about identity and the place that we lead from. Okay, so in, in, this, in this place, in the I am, I am created to receive God's love, to live from his love, and then give it away. My worth, my, what, what, who I am as a person, Making me a safe person comes from this place. And I love 1 Samuel 16, 7. It says the Lord doesn't look at the things people look at. People usually look at the two outer circles, the things that I have and the things that I do. The Lord doesn't look at the things people look at. The Lord looks at the heart, the core of who we are. I think that this is what makes us a safe person. Now, having a really good instrument does help create a safe worship environment because it sounds nice, that's, that's true. And um, developing my skill and doing it well is really important too. So I'm not saying that these things are bad, okay? Really, honestly, hear me, I'm not. But I'm saying that at my very core, I need to know and live from a place of love. And that is what makes me a safe person and a safe worship leader. So let's talk about how we do this. So um, I was with a number of young worship leaders recently, and I said, okay, do you know that song, Build My Life? The, that phrase, I will build my life on your love. Well, how do I do that? How do I actually go about doing that? And um, it's great to sing about these songs, and we get swept up in the moment, right? And arms are up in the air. But what does that actually look like in the everyday? So I want to talk to you a little bit about Rhythms with Jesus, partly because I like to talk about that. But the reason why I like to talk about it is because I think it's really important. And um, 
So, for, you know, if you've heard some of this before, I'm okay with that, um, because I think it really matters. So the problem is that many of us just don't know how to do that. We don't know how to develop this inner core. We don't know how to spend time with Jesus. We don't know how to receive his love. We don't know how to receive his love daily, maybe several times a day. I didn't know how to do any of that. Um, I was sitting for a long time before I had any kind of sustainable rhythm and uh, things that I did on a regular basis that were in any way consistent. So how many of you have ever had someone take you by the hand and show you this is exactly what you need to do in order to spend time with Jesus? Three, four, five, six people. Seven, you're like, oh, I'm not really sure. Okay, if you're not really sure, we'll count you. So there's something there. You're connecting a little bit. Um, but still, that's a very small percentage of this room, isn't it? And um, I think that's really sobering. Now, to encourage you all, this is normal. Everywhere that my husband and I go and we talk to rooms like this, I mean, we really only have one message, and it's intimacy with Jesus. I just, you know, put worship safe or risky at the start and then sneak this in somewhere. <laughs> um, but I have to at least do a little bit on it in the context of being a safe person because it really is true. So, um, in our community, we've started to talk about not trying, but training. So, if I decide that I'm going to run a 5K, I don't just try to get up off my seat and go, not at my age anyway, and go run a 5K and think that it's going to be a great result. I train for it. And it's the same thing with our rhythms with Jesus. So, how many of you were in the interview yesterday? A few of you, so you, sorry, you're going to hear this again. So the silence thing is a really significant piece for me. Um, maybe it will be something else for you. There's all kinds of spiritual disciplines that you can really benefit from. Don't try and do them all at once, okay? That's crazy. Um, ask the Holy Spirit, because again, this is not something that we do in our own strength. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you what is it in this season. I knew that it was silence for me because I was filled with holy terror anytime someone talked about silence and solitude. Um, and so, you know, maybe it won't be that you're filled with terror, but what is it that the Holy Spirit is, is inviting you into? It's an invitation. You don't have to do this. But it is an invitation. And it would be silly not to, not to accept an invitation. So training, not trying. And so I started with two minutes. And I've built it up. I'm still nowhere near what my husband can do in terms of silence. But also, he is a radical introvert. So, you know, my nature, I know, he, he's, he's totally wired to do that. So, and, I, and I'm not so much. So, but I'm really excited. So what I do now is, here's the other thing the Lord really showed me. Like, I beat myself up every time that I get this wrong. And what started to happen was, I started to celebrate when it was, when, oh, yay. I managed to do this a couple of times this week. I managed to get myself out of bed. You know, not in a prideful way, but in a, come on, this is great. We have a victory here, Harmony. And I think I would rather live there and err a little bit on the side of rah-rah, you know, or um, giving myself a pat on the back than in that place of guilt and beating ourselves up. So when, it, when it's going well, when we actually push through, and get up in the morning, or take that time at night, or switch the TV off, or we take a Sabbath, like Sabbath is so important. 
If you can work these things into your life now in your 20s, you are going to be miles ahead of most of the universe. So, uh, I, uh, but don't try and take it all on at once. And the thing is, if we're talking about being a safe person, I realized that there were times when I was leading worship that I was asking people to engage in a way that I wasn't living in the secret place. And that's not okay. I mean, we all have bad weeks, right? So I'm not saying that we all of a sudden have to have this amazing prayer life in order to be worship leaders. But I knew in my heart of hearts that I was being extremely lazy in this and I was not pressing in and I had become okay and that was a terrifying revelation. I'd, been, I'd become okay with standing on stage and inviting people to give their all in worship, but I wasn't prepared to put that time in with him in the secret place. And that was a very sobering reality. And that was one of the things that got me moving, you know, that moment of, oh, who am I becoming? Oh no, I don't like this. That's not who I want to become. And so if I want to become someone different, then I need to, with the help of the Holy Spirit, make some changes. Everybody okay with what I'm saying? Yeah? So um, Helen's going to share a little bit. She's brought some little gifts for us today, right? And um, one of the things that we have um, leaned into at the intensive is something called the examine. How many of you here have heard of the examine? Okay, a few. There's a few habits. So come on, Helen. Yeah. Yeah. I would like you to just talk with the, Actually, do you want to do it? Should we do it together? All right, let's do it. Yeah, lead us through it. Yeah, we'll pass them out. Yeah, let's do it now. Okay. Have a little stretch for a minute. It's been extremely helpful in learning how to connect with God in the everyday. I won't say more than that. We don't have enough time. But, um... We'll just do a really quick go through. I'd really recommend taking this and spending 10 minutes or, you know, build up, like Harmony was saying, spend some time on your own with it. But um, I'll just go through it fairly swiftly at the moment. So, uh, yeah, so if you'd like to close your eyes, that does help. It helps to stop the distraction, but feel free to just get comfy. So, Father, we just invite you here for you and come use this tool. Um, uh, just help us to connect with you, Jesus. So we just start off by being still and becoming aware of his presence. As you breathe in, you can say you are here. And as you breathe out, just bring our attention to the things that we're thankful for, let's look over the last few hours and give thanks for every detail you can remember, seeing the past few hours through the lens of thankfulness for every gift and every difficulty.
as we're giving thanks, let's become aware of the emotions that you're feeling and become aware of the state of your heart. Name the emotions you're feeling and give them to God. Share them with Him. And you can choose one of those joys or one of those sorrows that you're feeling and turn that to prayer. And we pray with boldness and confidence in the Father to hear and to respond as he desires. commit the next few hours to God. Let's, let's turn uh, towards hope and committing the next few hours to him with trust and hope that he is with us and that his kingdom will come. such an amazing sense of peace. Does everybody feel a bit lighter? Like I just feel like I can feel it in my shoulders. Just a lot of tension is gone. So how do you do use that with your teams as well, right? Yep. So you guys can take these away and uh, these little cards are making their way around the room, aren't they? They are. And loads of people are using these. So at the start of the band practice, you can whip this out and do this together. There's also a video that we have of Dan Wilt leading um, this that you can use in your practices if you want it. So there's a whole lot more that we could talk about in terms of rhythms with Jesus. Um, that will probably do for now. And uh, let's talk a little bit about the others so that we've talked about safe. Let's talk about risky because uh, we don't want to just stay safe. And that's not the point. I don't want you to come away from here thinking we just go and we do the exam and that's what we do. 
and we do the examine, but we do it in order to be able to reach into some of these other things and to really live out a kingdom life. Um, so, what are some risks? Sometimes it's even like we're, we're behind all this stuff on the stage. What does a risk in worship actually look like? One thing I love, a couple of you touched on it, so let's just agree. Just the fact of getting up to lead worship or play is terrifying for most of us at the start or even all the way through our journey of doing it. So um, anytime we get up to lead worship, it is a massive risk just by doing it. So we, we all agree on that. Anybody differ with, from that perspective? Any opposing viewpoints there? No. Okay, so we all agree on that. What else is a risk in worship? Waiting. Waiting! <laughs> yes! Sometimes, I think when we watch slick videos of people leading worship, the waiting looks slick. How many of you find that the waiting does not feel <laughs> it's excruciating? It's excruciating. I remember the first time the Holy Spirit led me to stay in the same song for 15 minutes. Now, I can do that at home, but in front of people looking at you, I thought I was going to die. I was like, that's the worst thing I've ever done. But I came off stage and I really felt him say, because I said, well, that wasn't very comfortable, and I felt him say to me, since when is it about your comfort, honey? Yeah. So what else is risky? Going off the beaten track. Yeah, so unpack that a little bit. What do you need? Not just following the same, the same structure of song, maybe, uh, mm -hmm. or just, just taking a left turn somewhere, following... doing that actually if you're honest you love exploring that yeah how many of you find that it's like the worst thing ever you hate like you love your plan that's okay if you're like that i'm asking that for a reason because our worship pastor in belfast he loves his planning and he and i like we've nearly come to blows a few times but in a healthy way like because we actually balance each other out and there's sometimes because i love the spontaneous i go off on one and that's not always helpful to other people in the room um and there was one time one of our band members said to me he's like do you know what you did there that was really cool i would have loved to have gone with you yeah, because I didn't prepare the band for that. So there's a whole other side of that that is actually we can prepare for the spontaneous. We can go in with a plan and then some extra little tools in our toolbox with our whole band, not just us. So um, I don't really have time to unpack that. That's good. Anything else? So what you just said, actually, I, think, I don't know if anyone else felt that, but that, was, that felt brutal. What, what that guy, whoever, woman, whoever said that to you. But that's sometimes risky, isn't it? Interactions with band members. Ah, yes. Like, actually, no, I don't want you to play that. Yeah. I want you, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. That's yeah. a risk. It is a risk. And it was worth it. If he hadn't said that to me, I wouldn't have understood, really, what it was like to be in his shoes and to want to go on a journey and to be excluded like that. You know, I would just assume, well, you know, 
come on, you know, we're going somewhere, get on board, you know. So that was really helpful. Yeah, so, um, so that kind of gets into that place of honesty, doesn't it? Not just with God, but with each other. So I think actually doing the examine and having that time with Jesus really equips us to actually be able to be self-aware <coughs> enough to have these conversations. So... Giving, people, giving other people room to step into things. Mm. Letting song like a celebration so particularly like in a small group setting like sometimes I really feel like it's needed but it's not what I naturally gravitate towards well done well done that's really cool yeah in the vineyard we can kind of be a, a little too far to one extreme can we so yeah <laughs> yeah yeah good well done also doing the new doing a new song as well that the congregation don't necessarily know that's good yeah yeah I don't know like songs which have been written since like the 90s and then yeah. you suddenly do like a traditional hymn yeah. Yeah. sometimes people can afterwards go oh, like 
I wasn't expecting that. Mm. But sometimes I can go, actually, that was really profound, and I never noticed the meaning in that hymn before. Mm. That's really good. Maybe picking the song that's maybe not the your best one that you sing, but you feel is the one that's for that Sunday or whatever setting, and mm -hmm. might not be make you look the best, but yeah. is, is is what is needed for the people that you're leading. Mm -hmm. That's really risking from a place of loving your people, mm -hmm. which is where it's at. You know, there's no point in doing prophecy or you know any of the stuff that we do. The Apostle Paul says without love. So who was about to say something? Um, just talking about like venturing into creative ways of worshiping as well, like through arts or dance yeah. and stuff. Yeah, and, like bringing that into the sun worship. Yeah, radical stuff, huh? Yeah. How many of you guys do ever do painting or anything like that in your? Ah, yeah, <laughs> great. Yeah. See, now that can be really scary. At least we have a whole band with us. You know, when we've done painting, our artists have been like, well, you have your old band stand there with you. I'm all by myself here painting. So, um, yeah, that's really cool. Anything else? We're about to wrap this one up here. I think um, sometimes, because we're leading people, I think mental health is a big thing. I think worship massively. So mental health is massively in my heart. It's one of the things that God mm. repeatedly puts in front of me to bless people with. Um, I think worship is a massive bridge between things like that, things that are this 21st century mm. instant messaging thing that happens. It's it like it breaks that down and makes it reality because it's right in front of you. You can't run away from it. And I think um, a lot of the time, being worship leaders, we're so vulnerable and we're so we're so easily attacked by the enemy because he doesn't want us to be able to lead those people in that freedom. You're right. I think yeah. that's a massive risk, obviously, because you're standing up and yeah. doing that in front of everybody. <laughs> yeah, that's good. So you're touching on the spiritual warfare side of it. Yeah. Um, you mentioned it briefly earlier about actually looking at what the words are and what they mean. Mm. Isn't it? Like a lot of the time we think like. Uh, Spirit even when we're dressed to do that for the song like that, but we don't actually live it in our everyday lives. I think it's a big risk to actually consciously do that. Yeah. That's good, and thank you, because you've, you've led me right to the point where I wanted to, where I wanted to come. <laughs> I realize we probably all would like a little mental health break. <laughs> um, but where do we practice this stuff primarily of risk taking? It's not a trick question, so is it on stage? No, that's not where we learn how to do the risk-taking. That's not where we really learn to listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. That's everywhere else in life. <laughs> Anything, anywhere else in life is a good place to train, and then you bring all of that when you come to lead worship. And uh, I, there was a time when I was leading worship regularly, and I was going through our, like, probably too much. You know, you get into that season, maybe, where you're, like, actually, you're, like, a cow being milked or something. It's like, not another worship set, you know? I've got to deliver. And I was looking at the list of songs, and I was just like, oh, boring, 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 boring. Uh, I don't want to sing any of these songs. Do you know what the real problem was? The problem was that I was boring. <laughs> because I wasn't living it. I needed to get out on the streets or in the kids' room or, I don't know, anything but lead worship. So when we lose sight of that, when we get detached from the rest of the body of Christ and a, a whole life, a life of integrity where we actually, you know, pray for our kids or 
parents or whatever it is. It doesn't have to be anything formal. It's not like you need to sign up to another ministry area. You just need to practice kingdom life in the everyday. That's all you need to do. <laughs> but that's funny, isn't it? That's tons. So why don't we stop?